Welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Colin. And I'm Nutch. Caleb is away this week. In this episode, we bring you Bill Edwards' Al Pacino, Miguel Ibarra's imminent transfer to Real Salt Lake, Mike Dean, Mike Deaning, and your regular Indian Super League roundup. As mentioned in the intro, Caleb is not here this week. He's sick. Yeah, he decided that coughing would not be a good podcast sound. Well, actually, we should we should drop the uh, the facade. He's he's looking at other podcasts. We've given him an offer that we think is um, it's pretty competitive, and we'll let you know in about four or five weeks what he did tomorrow when when he decided to actually sign the contract. Until then, no comment. Except for the comments that he leaves on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, exactly. et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I am driving over to Notch's place. Why are you doing that? What's going on? Are you back in the pod? All of a sudden, Jeff Reuter just tweets, Caleb's on his way to Notch's. This is not a drill. This is not a drill. Spotted on Dunlap Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, Caleb is kind of the, the artigan of our three musketeers here at, um, we call it soccer. I'd say which ones the two of us were, but I actually don't know the names of any of the other Neither. musketeers. That's Neither. why I said he's the Diardigan. I mean, that might be a terrible comparison. Maybe Diardigan is like the horrible um, uh, three musketeers who's actually terrible with a sword. I, I don't know. If I remember right, he's actually the hothead that's trying to spoil the chemistry. So I guess that's me. Would that be me? Um... I'm a little hot-headed. I, I guess. I'm just hot. <laughs> hey Okay, let's move on to our first segment of this show, which is our major listing service segment covering American soccer and MLS. As well as real estate all across this great nation. And speaking of that real estate, I, I think we need to go into some expansion rumors in our occasional segment, Flavor of Don Garber's Love. <laughs> Yeah, we return to the reality show that is the MLS expansion. Exactly. Should we call it a race? Is it is it a race? Is it a uh, apple bobbing contest? Is it a uh, pin if, the tail on the donkey? Um, I I think it's a pinata smashing. Okay, that, all right. So the, the first pinata there better that, be candy involved with it. I'm just there that, wasn't any candy when the St. Louis pinata was smashed by their incoming governor. Did you like that reference? I think that was pretty good. Very my, nice, very nice. <laughs> my, uh, governor, uh, is he now actually the governor? Has he been sworn um, in? No, he, I think it's still a couple of days. But um, the incoming governor, again, squashed the idea of any sort of public funding for the uh, stadium in St. Louis. There was some talk that they would look for some tax credits. I think even those are completely off the table. Well, the governor said that he would work with the team to help them find private funding or sponsorship or something. He was basically saying, no, but here's something I will do for you, which may or may not have any results. And then the councilwoman expresses frustration. The St. St. Louis councilwoman expressed frustration that the MLS2 STL group hasn't coordinated the referendum work with them. This is the referendum for, I believe, 40 million that they need. I think it's actually, is it 40 or 80? I can't remember if the that one's... 40 million here, 40 million there. You something know. like that. Exactly. Eventually you get some real game. money. Right. But needless to say, things do not look good for them. I, I don't see how they get a stadium done, and that seems to be predicating the deal for them. I mean, I think it's a good bet to put an MLS team in St. Louis. I think it would be 
it's a great city to expand to. And if they just, you know, this is one of those situations where, again, you say billionaires have money, just spend the money. It's okay. Just because you can't get stadium cash here doesn't mean you should leave the city as a whole. That being said, we've seen it where people that have tons of money that don't actually want to spend that money, that seems to be kind of a bad omen for ownership going into a team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that later. Yes, we will. Tampa Bay Rowdies over in St. Petersburg, uh, which again, I have to remind people, their MLS expansion hashtag is MLS to St. Pete, and they are called the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And there's also a bay that separates Tampa and St. Petersburg. And yeah, yeah. It, geography is hard, why, guys. See, but that's why the, the stadium shaped like a ship, because it can sail across the bay when there are games, say, allowing them to technically call themselves the Tampa Bay Rowdies. However, at in the at times outside of the game, the stadium resides in St. Pete, and so that's why they're MLS to St. Pete. Are you saying that the stadium is moored in St. Pete? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, they brought in, the Rowdies did, two former Orlando City SC executives, Brett Lashbrook and Forrest Eber. Apparently, their names came through a uh, role-playing game name generator. And they both had played important roles in bringing MLS to Orlando a few years ago. So, this was something that was reported by Empire of Soccer and the United States best-named soccer journalist, Jake Nutting. Heyo. Yep. Bill Edwards, this week... I think he's taking some inspiration from our president-elect and some of the things he decides to say in public. I've got the best people on board. I've got Icon. I've got Populous. I've got Manhattan. Isn't the there... best. <laughs> the best. <laughs> the best. He did actually say, my aspirations are always higher than anybody else's. I think the de- the dreams of dreamers. This is, I mean, next week he's going to be saying things like, we've got the best people, I got the best words, you're going to win so much that you're going to be sick of winning. The polls are telling me that we need a stadium that can support our bigly, bigly dreams. <laughs> bigly, right, they're discussing whether it's bigly or big league, that, you know, it turns The answer out from, to that is yes. Yeah, right, well, in Bill Edwards' case, it means actually MLS, the big league, but... Uh, wow, that, that was a, a good connection there. Right? I did not see that coming. Anyway, it's time to move on to actual MLS news from teams that are actually in this league at the moment. Columbus Crew have announced a designated player signing Jonathan Mensah. He's a 26-year-old Ghanaian defender who comes from Russia from a club named Anzi Mazakabavi. Uh, Anzi, place that I don't want to play because it's seriously placed in Chechnya and the stadium is kind of scary to go towards. Is it? Um, apparently, there's gunfire at... Like outside the stadium on multiple games, and like yet. back back in the day, because this was the club that Samuel Lazzo and a couple other oh. uh, really high price players played for. Um, the players themselves actually lived in Saint Petersburg, and then would take a five hour plane ride to Anji and play their games. So essentially, the contract negotiations with the crew went Mensa saying, "Get me the hell out of here," and. Columbus crew saying, say no more. And just, you know. Bingo. Um, yeah. He does have two World Cups to his name. And, you know, this is Ghana we're talking about. Yeah. They're very good at beating the United States. So <laughs> clearly he's a good player. Uh, Pirlo's retirement rumors were quashed. I think we've hit the big leagues now where MLS has major rumors about its players uh, coming out. And essentially one Twitter account says something and now it gets picked up by the soccer of fear. I, I... And not only that, we're clearly not a retirement league. <laughs> 
Anywho, um, Kubo Torres will not be staying at Cruz Azul. He was returned from his loan uh, back to the Houston Dynamo. Fantastic. And USU International Junior Flores is reportedly signing a deal with MLS. Uh, the transfer will be subject to the allocation process, which I was impressed to see that MLS actually has a great allocation process website, which lists all the USMNT players uh, available for allocation, their allocation lists. Now, if they'd only do that for discovery lists, I'd be a very happy man. That would be lovely. Um, the other thing with Flores is that um, there was some speculation that he might be a decent pickup for Minnesota United. Mm-hmm. It actually seems like Columbus might be in the lead so there might be a trade for some Garber Bucks and some various other assets going on fairly soon. Am I correct in, in saying that Minnesota United is pretty high in the allocation list at the moment? Um, we, I believe Atlanta is first, Minnesota is second. Right. So anything that happens does have to go through us. Bingo. Um, Columbus is fourth in the allocation list. So it, it'll be kind of, kind of a similar trade if it gets made um, to what the Chicago Fire did in mm-hmm. trading up to get Janino, they moved up one spot. Got it. Well, at this point, we've been talking about Minnesota already just a little bit, so it's time to move into our segment called Loon Monitoring. Yep, let's wade around some shallow waters, hope that we can find some loons. And guess what? We actually found another one. His name's Colin Martin. Hooray! Minnesota United has a new toy! <laughs> <laughs> he got uh, traded to Minnesota United from DC United. Oh wait, what is that correct? Was it from Atlanta to Minis to DC? To- Arthur Blank, what stop happened? it! Right. <laughs> he, he, so we picked him up from DC for a fourth round super draft pick, as Jake Rudder's article on Fifty Five One had concluded after some research. Very few picks in the super draft after the second round uh, do anything. Worth, yeah, yeah, worth anything. So this was. Natural. This guy, Colin Martin, has 15 appearances in MLS over his career. Turns out he's been injured a bunch. He played for the U.S. at the youth level, which I, I was reading this and felt, now that we've left the NASL, it's a far less interesting thing for me to note. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, featured from U14s up to the U20s. Um, two big things of note. Uh, he was apparently pretty well regarded by current director of player personnel, Amos McGee. Another player well regarded by Amos McGee was Miguel Ibarra. Bingo. Um, And he will also occupy what's called an off-budget roster spot as a homegrown player for DC United. Please explain. So, um, basically, the way that the salary cap works, every player has a certain level that they are um, taxed to on the salary cap. Um, Homegrown players, if they have what's called a reserve contract, um, basically have... I think it's a zero cap hit. If it's not a zero, it's about $55,000. Okay, gotcha. I will... No, you don't. Keep... You you look very quizzical at everything cap related, yeah, but so... but they can't see that. This is the power of audio, my friend. <laughs> Just sound confident and you'll be fine. Right. Well, you play football manager, so every time some of these uh, roster moves come up for, I think, the next year or so, I'm going to have to keep asking you, Colin, can you, can you make sense of this for me, please? Can you please, please make sense of this? And I'll say please probably not because it's MLS, but we'll move on anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of moving on, uh, Francisco Calvo and Johan Venegas um, got unveiled to fans. They made some calls to potential season ticket holders today. While wearing, uh, also some photographs while wearing scarves. Scarves and suits. That's which... how you know it's official is when they have their scarf. Well, that and with Minnesota United, you know it's official when they have a suit but no tie. 
Right, um, exactly. So uh, both of them will then take off for international duty. Uh, they'll be playing for Costa Rica in the Copa Central Americana, which is the qualifying tournament for Central American nations to get into the 2017 Gold Cup. Which, again, a reminder, is happening this summer, and a lot of people have forgotten that. I know I did until I saw, <laughs> hey, there's qualifier tournaments for the 2017 Gold Cup. Yep. Uh, Adam Kuarse. Rumored transfer target for Minnesota, goalkeeper, is going to be in Ghana's 26-man squad for the African Cup of Nations. This is gonna has come up with a bunch of uh, Premier League players as well who are going to have to leave for the AFCON. Obviously, it causes a little less of a problem for MLS teams that start playing in March. But at the same time, Kouarese will be with his national team. Someone who is not, or I should say, Najnot... In, hey, in that <laughs> almost makes sense. <laughs> With his uh, national team is former Minnesota United goalkeeper Sammy Najok. We don't officially know if he's former yet, but uh, if we do sign Kawarase, who will take up an international spot, it's highly unlikely that we will sign a second international goalkeeper. Now, speaking of other players that potentially will be signing very, very shortly, um, the rumors continue to swirl around... The Justice League, Christian Ramirez, and Miguel Ibarra. Um, a red alert was spotted when Christian Ramirez apparently was at Minneapolis St. Paul Airport. Yep. So all but confirmed, obviously, because you know if you see someone in an airport, it's in all seriousness. There are a lot of reports that this this is this should be something we hear about soon. Something else that I believe there was some random Twitter account somewhere that said that uh, we're going to hear some Miguel Ibarra news pretty quick. Yeah. And then. Something on ESPN Deportes popped up. Yeah, so um, one of the ESPN Mexico reporters, uh, Julio Sacedo, um, he was at Club Leon's uh, training ground and confirmed that Miguel Ibarra is not present, then tweeted, information that Ibarra will go to Minnesota United with announcement coming Thursday or Friday. He then subsequently tweeted that it's going to be on a permanent transfer rather than a loan. That's super cool. Do you, very quickly, I think we talked about this a few episodes ago, but I think it bears uh, mentioning again. Do you think Ramirez and Ibarra are going to make as much of an impression in MLS as they did in NASL? Um, no, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to make a sizable impression in MLS. I think that the partnership that the two of them have is certainly special. It's certainly, you can tell how well they work together on the field. Um, obviously you're going to be working with more difficult defenses. You're also going to be working with much better talent that will distract a center back, a fullback. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a drop off, but there's still going to be some really fantastic crossing work. One of my favorite memories of Ibarra was just this picture perfect cross right at the beer garden that went straight to Ramirez's head. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something like that. I can definitely see happening two or three times next season. So basically, you're you're thinking that they'll be really solid starters. Yeah, but maybe not. Maybe not those guys getting all the like media attention. But they will be playing really solidly every week. You know, honestly, I think they'll still get the media attention. I just you're not going to have as many electric moments, but uh-huh. it's still going to need. And the nice thing about Ibarra is he's a guy who came through with us. Like right. he's our guy like he he is he's our dude so obviously it's gonna hurt like hell when he decides to go off to real salt lake in like four years 
Yeah. Or, or for instance, it's going to hurt like hell when he decides to sign with Minneapolis City when they offer him a trial. Right. So, <laughs> speaking of things like that, um, Minneapolis... No, no, this wasn't anything like... <laughs> Uh, anyway, Minneapolis City has just announced that Brian Coleman, who was somebody that uh, we interviewed for the podcast last year for Toughcast, super cool dude, really talented guy, was uh, retired last year at the start of last season, has decided to come and play for Minneapolis City. I am super pumped for this dude. He He's another Minnesota legend. Yeah, definitely is. I'm really excited that Minneapolis City has already announced their 10-man formations instead of 11. <laughs> but um, along with him, uh, Dan O'Brien, another Minnesotan who's spent some time in NASL, played for the Tampa Bay Rowdies for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, he is also coming out of semi-retirement to play. Um, they're loading up with some veteran-level, pro-level mm-hmm. talent that I I see them more as kind of player coaches but at the same time guys that probably still have way too much left in the tank to just be playing semi-pro right yeah exactly i'm i think this is a great thing for people who go to watch city games i think this is a a great thing for for city in general as a team and i'm i'm really excited for this i'm I'm genuinely someone who thought that brian common decided to leave this game a little bit early and I think he's got a lot left in the tank, and I'm super, super pumped to see what he what he, what he puts out there with City uh, each week. Well, at this point, let's quickly jump into our next segment called The Pyramid Scheme. Do we really have to? Because honestly, as we start to look more towards all the NASL drama, it really reminds me of looking at an ex-girlfriend's Facebook page. <laughs> like, I, I feel kind of voyeuristic. I don't want to friend her at all, but it's cool to see her pictures, I guess. (laughs) Well, um, I was going to say it's NAS Olmageddon 2016. Live hard with a vengeance. Or now it might be NAS Olmageddon 2016. Please come back, baby. Please come back. Baby, come back. You can put it all on me. Uh, with that, we should actually move into talking about what happened in the NASL, which essentially was today. Like, today, I woke up around 8 o'clock, and by about 9.45, there was six pages of tweets about the NASL and all these rumors. The first one was, Chattanooga FC in shock move to announce NASL expansion. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. Yeah, was that, was, a rumor. that was a really fun NASL expansion Mad Lib gone horribly, horribly wrong. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> so then, then, then the next thing was that the USSF announcement that we've been waiting for for I don't know since 20, 2010 uh, is been put off a few more days, ostensibly maybe a week. Who knows? Maybe, maybe again, just like you know, we were saying we were joking about how uh, Minnesota United will have players playing that Durkee is saying no comment. They haven't been announced yet. No comment. Uh, Basically, USL and NASL will be playing games this year, and, and Sunil Gulati is going to be like, I don't know what which leagues these are. There's an NASL logo right there, Sunil. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm so confused. Right? Um, just a, a lot of speculation again still. Right. Um, some of the, the more firm knowledge, at least, um, the Cosmos exodus is really starting to take shape. Um, you're seeing some of their former players announce 
moves to some different leagues. Adam Moffat, for instance, is going to stay in the United States and play for the Sacramento Republic. Solid move for him, solid move for them. Um, Lucky Kasana is going to go to the uh, champions of the Finnish League. He finished on top with his Cosmos colleagues, perhaps? I, I don't know. That was terrible. No, that was like the booze ringing out across the Twin Cities. Juan <laughs> um, Arango is reported to be going back to Venezuela, um, playing for a team in the Copa Lib. And Yasmani Duke is going quack, to... Quack. S- Uh, So Duke is going to go to Saudi Arabia, but not before he might pursue some legal action. Yeah, against the Cosmos for his unpaid wages. Essentially, they've said his agent has said that he wasn't paid for October, November, December. So we'll see. Uh, there are some rumors that the Cosmos will come back. I know that Wes Burdine with 55-1 has been tweeting about how it would be a huge shame to see the NASL come back without these unplayed player and staff issues being resolved. I agree with that. Absolutely. There's also some word now, this morning, for example, Brian Strauss tweeted that there is a potential buyer for the Jacksonville Armada, which I had completely forgotten in all this drama that they were going to, that Mark Fishing was trying to sell that team, but he is, so yeah. um, terrific. Honestly, kind of a surprise given his status with the NASL. Um, which probably, I mean, you know, to be honest, if he had a front row seat for that shit show, like maybe it's like, I don't want it. Yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um <laughs> So, in the few moments that we thought that Chattanooga was going to move up to NASL, um, we got it totally carried away, and then their big announcement turned out that they're going to be hosting... By the way, I gotta clarify really quick. The owner of Jackson Armada is named Mark Frisch. Mark Frisch. Mark Fishkin is a very prominent supporter of the... Of the um, Red Bull New York, who also hosts, I believe, the Seeing Red podcast uh, over there. So, uh yeah, maybe maybe I'll correct that later in post, by which I mean I'm going to make a reference to it and not do it later. Exactly. Um, so anyway, so Chattanooga, they will be hosting um, Atlanta United's preseason friendly. Apparently, it's going to be on national TV somehow. The first game that Atlanta United is... S- officially scheduled to play, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, ever. there's... Yeah. So um, along with all of these crazy NASL goings-on, uh, perhaps the craziest thing that we saw on online for these lower leagues, uh, Bill Edwards had an interesting interview and an even more interesting photo on USLsoccer.com. Yeah. Um, I think the best way to describe him, the third-rate guy in a Vegas heist movie. What do you mean? Like, um... He kind of reminded me of, like, James Caan. Like, do you remember that Vegas show that was on NBC? Uh, vaguely. I, I didn't watch it. Vegasly? <laughs> so, he's just, like, standing around in sunglasses, like, squinty laughing with, like, a way too open shirt. And, <laughs> like, it, it's troubling. It, it, so he's it, a, he's a it guy burned who, my eyes. That's he, what I'm trying to say. He's the guy who hires the main villain. So there's some scenes of Bill Edwards going, I don't understand what's going on. Why is my casino being targeted? But then the actual bad guy is like a younger, more evil person. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, I think basically, like, if you've ever seen Ocean's 13, and if you have, I'm sorry, but think <laughs> think the Al Pacino character with, okay. like, the, the Night Fox coming in later. Okay, all right, sounds good. Uh, w- with that, 
we should uh, move on to taking our quick break before we come back with the sewer where we talk about the US Mutant Ninja Turtles. Then we will also talk about the EPL and other soccer from around the world. Welcome back to We Call It Soccer. This is Notch. This is Colin. And it's time to dive on down into the sewer and check on our U.S. men's and women's ninja turtles. Um, another friendly for the Cupcake Campers. February 3rd against Jamaica in Chattanooga. <laughs> that was the other giant announcement that they had that makes <laughs> totally more sense than an NASL team going to Chattanooga. <laughs> Especially given the fact that this match will be played on artificial turf. The funny thing, though, for me is that the team is going to fly all the way from Camp Cupcake, Camp Cupcake out in California to Chattanooga to play this game on what can't be a phenomenal pitch. Uh, yeah, basically. Like I guess it, it's halfway between there and Jamaica, though, California and Jamaica. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so that's, how it that, that's kind of a weird triangle, but sure. Um, it, not much makes sense of it, but whatever. Hey, good for Chad Hooligans. I really like their presence on Twitter. Yeah, solid people. Um, Ethan Horvath transfers from Molda to Club Rouge. Good move for him. Move yeah. up. Uh, he's showing promise. He got uh, the the start. Uh, what was it? Two games ago or something like that. Yeah, recently? something like that. Yep. So so good stuff for him. Crystal Dunn announced that she will be playing 2017 for Chelsea FC Ladies, and that was basically an explosion of Twitter on Twitter about her move. You know, also we know Alex Morgan's going to be spending the start of the season with PSG about whether players have a responsibility to support their local league. Now, obviously, this means a lot more for NWSL, which is in some ways one of the strongest women's league in the world in terms of talent because America is the best women's national team. So there was some discussion about whether these players are betraying their country and their league by leaving. And I just had to roll my eyes yeah. at that. These are players who are getting... Not much in the way of wages. So when they get the offer of money, when they get the offer of playing uh, the soccer that they want to play, essentially meeting their own professional goals, whatever they might be, I'm not a one in a place to judge. Yeah, I, I would imagine that this can be a, a very interesting move for Crystal Dunn. Um, I'm personally upset that she chose the wrong London club to play for. <laughs> but, um, you know, at the same time, yeah, you can't really complain too much when somebody wants to play mm-hmm. a different soccer experience. You know, that's what it's going to be. Um, because it's January, it's time for some rumors. Uh, Gideon Zalalem, speaking of Arsenal, uh, potentially might be moving to Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Thomas Drongen. Former coach of the Fort Lauderdale... No, that's right. He was, he was a consultant yeah. for the, for the yeah. He was the head coach of the Rowdies. He yeah. will be the uh, chief U.S. men's national team scout. Great move for him. He's one of the guys who discovered and started making lists of all of these foreign-born players who are eligible to play for the United States. Uh, so, exactly the right position for a guy like Rongen. And not only that, it's always good to see Thomas Rongen showing up in any sort of news. I, I just love the man so much. He is extraordinary. He makes me lovable. smile. Hey, a bit of news that just came up on Twitter while we were recording this uh, is that Minnesota United had an event tonight, that's Tuesday night, to uh, have a small group of fans meet with Johan Venegas and Francisco Calvo. And there is some sort of event on Thursday that is being hyped 
a little bit as well. That's what I just learned. I wonder what that could be, right? So we'll see. We'll see. Obviously, they're going to announce what the official match ball is going to be for next year. Uh, okay. Clearly. Let us move on to the pub, which this week's pub for our EPL coverage is called the Shifty Headmaster. Uh, after a couple of headmasters were involved, first of all, we got to talk a little bit about referee Mike Dean in a second. Yeah. As always, we need to talk about Mike Dean. Uh-huh. And then, but first, let's start with the headmaster over at Swansea City, who is now going to be a man named Paul Clement. So, as you will recall, uh, Bob Bradley, Bob Bradley was left, or Brad Bobley was left, uh, looking for a job last week by Swansea City. And one of the biggest criticisms of Bob Bradley's hiring was that he was woefully underprepared. Now, this is a man who has obviously coached an MLS, won an MLS championship, coached the United States men's national team at a World Cup. Uh, He's someone who's coached in Norway, coached in France. Paul Clement has eight months of managerial experience in the English championship. Sure, he's been Carlo Ancelotti's assistant for a whole bunch of time uh, at some really big clubs like Chelsea, PSG, Real Madrid, and Bayern. But he has had eight months in charge of a club, and he got fired. And there's hardly anybody talking about how he's underprepared. The double standard is very real. And, and uh, you know, Bob Bradley's tenure at Swansea is its own little issue that we can discuss. But this whole crap about, like, Americans going on about... Blah, blah, blah. That's crap, okay? This is... There is a double standard, and there's no way that this guy is more prepared than Bob Bradley is. I'm going to pour a little bit of water on that hot take and say that if you're working under one of the top managers in the world, you're going to pick up some things. Yeah, he doesn't have the head coaching experience, but to say that he's equally as woefully unprepared as Bob Bradley. No, I do agree. At least (laughs) I, I will say this. I do agree that the entire narrative about Bradley getting fired and then bringing in someone like Clement. Yeah. It strikes you as just spewing with the British insularity, but I think if you're going to pick someone with eight months of managerial experience, Paul Clement's probably the best choice that you can possibly make. Colin will serve my hot take pancake and send it back to the kitchen. Well, Swansea lost 3-0 to Bournemouth, so... Well, maybe Bob Bradley wasn't the problem, huh? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, that That is maybe. actually a hot take. Uh, Man City versus Liverpool. Pep Cop. Yeah. Um, and it was a 1-0 match that was about as underwhelming as you could expect Pep Guardiola versus Jurgen Klopp. Um, During his post-game press conference, um, Guardiola apparently had a little bit of a dust-up with his director of football and was very, very agitated during the uh, Mm -hmm. post-game interviews. Carried on for the uh, pretty much the next five days. Yep, yep. This was a, this was a, a, you know, this is one of those stories that the English press. That's how you know that they cover soccer a whole lot more than uh, American soccer is covered, is because they were talking about Pep's reactions at a, or his demeanor at a post game press conference for several days. We should also mention that Pep did say that he he's going to retire entirely from management in a few years' time. Yeah, I would love to retire at 48, but I don't see that happening. He took a break. I mean, you recall, he took a little bit of a break after Barcelona before going over to Bayern. And so there, there is some evidence that he's he's had enough. And, and it's taking a toll on him. So, 
yeah, like you were saying, if you could do it, why not, right? Better yeah. make the healthy choice for you. Arsenal had a run-in with the Hollywood villain. Yeah, so the thing is, I can never consider Olivier Giroud a Hollywood villain. Um, <laughs> he is a leading man, first and foremost. Okay. Um, but yeah, so um, Arsenal won, Scorpion King won, Palace nil. Um <laughs> Holy worldly Olivier Giroud. Um, do you want to dive into the Giroud or Mkhitaryan Scorpion King debate? Well, Giroud wasn't offside. Giroud wasn't offside. That's all that you need to say. But I, you, you get to see these sorts of kicks uh, for that actually get into the goal maybe once every few months. And then we got two in the span of one week. Right. And I, I will say, just objectively speaking... Mkhitaryan's got a lot going for it, but I liked the angle on Giroud's a little bit uh-huh. more. It arced a lot more. Hitting off the crossbar was just a beautiful, frilly touch. Speaking of Mkhitaryan, West Ham United lost 2-0 to Manchester United. Sofian Feguli, am I saying that right? I Close enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, straight red, 15 minutes in, because Mike Dean hates everything but a square mile in London. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I didn't know much about Mike Dean before we talked. I mean, Clattenburg and a few other guys are the only few EPL referees I knew a lot about. But man, after this decision in the wake of that other decision that we talked about in the pod where... Uh, anyway, essentially there was a lot of bile being thrown at Mike Dean in the soccer sphere. So I got a, a crash course on why Mike Dean is arrogant, hated, why he needs to go, why referees have too much of a control of the game, why we need referees to be un- uh, allowed to be criticized, blah 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 I mean, like, I had a, I had a West, Ham fan, or West Ham fan tweeting at me about how all of a sudden us Arsenal fans are copycats. No, Arsenal fans have hated Mike Dean for like five years at this point. Like <laughs> Mike Dean being a terrible human being is not a new thing, Yeah, but it, it seems like it's coming to a head. It's it's he's got to get some discipline for a really soft red they give to Figuli. And that really did end up changing the game between West Ham and Mania. I think a lot of the criticism of him seems to be that he tries to make himself the center of the show and there might be some arrogance and all. Anyway, you can go watch the videos yourself and, and judge. United at 13 games is now on the longest unbeaten streak since Sir Alex, which that's what I'm going to call uh, Sir Alex Ferguson now. Brave every, Sir Alex, Blave Sir Alex. It's, it's like a Final Fantasy villain, Sir Alex. Anyway, uh, it's a great streak for Man United. It reduces the amount that we can laugh at Jose, which I love to do. Um, and I would like to laugh at Man United as well, but we can't anymore because right. they're doing okay. Yeah, very it's frustrating. Um, speaking of frustrating, um, in Sunderland's 2-2 draw with Liverpool, which, by the way, bookended by a pair of penalties from Jermaine Defoe, fantastic former MLS striker. Um, <laughs> That's his claim to fame. Yes. Um <laughs> Very questionable decision to allow a Sunderland player. Um, I'm trying to remember what his name is. Um, I think Gibalani. Uh-huh. Um, allow him to continue on after just getting completely taken mm. out with a concussion. Um, there was a lot of commentator crosstalk about the glory days when players acted tough. No, no. This guy very clearly did not know where he was, mm-hmm. and he went on to finish the game. 
That's that's like, not good. It's got to stop at some point. Defoe is now the fourth player to have 10 goals or more in 10 different seasons in the Premier League. I just want to say, by the way, he was traded to Toronto, from Toronto FC by, uh, for Josie Altidore to Sunderland. I think to trigger English EPL fans the most, we should start calling him the uh, English Josie Altidore from now on. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Man City 2, Burnley 1. Fernan- the, the kind of notable incident in the game was that Fernandinho earned his fourth red card of the season. He'd gone something like 500 to 700 games without, uh, without a red card before that. I, I think El Hassan Keita has just totally minutes. My bad. Yeah, that that would be impressive. <laughs> um, but it it seems like some sort of Freaky Friday incident happened with El Hassan Keita, and all of a sudden, <laughs> um, Fernandinho cannot do anything but get red cards. Um, Bakri Sanya as well has been asked to explain an Instagram post that he made referring to that game being ten against twelve. Um, he could face action from the FA. Yeah, this is stupid, man. Like, basically, like, controlling what players say on Twitter, it's a bit much. Yeah, a little bit. But at the same time, did you see that studs-up tackle? It was right. a straight red. Right, it was a straight exactly. red. I'm sorry. Hey, uh, Arsenal today tied Bournemouth 3-3, which the game was 3-0 to Bournemouth at one point. Um, That one point was the 70th minute. Um, <laughs> I was actually watching this on my phone at work because my boss was not around, and I turned it off. You after... haven't convinced your boss to listen to this podcast? Um, you feel comfortable saying all this? Uh, she's into other nerd things, like okay. kind of more towards Doctor Who. And... All right. Yeah. So in any case... Boss this time. Right. So I stopped watching it after the third Bournemouth goal, and I apparently made the wrong or totally right decision because all of a sudden Arsenal just started scoring like crazy, and Olivier Giroud yet again saves Arsenal with a header this time, getting the equalizer in the 92nd minute. Fantastic for them. Um, by the time that you listen to this, Chelsea and Tottenham might have played the uh, final match of the festive period. Uh, the Blues have a chance for a Premier League record winning streak. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it's remarkable what they've been doing, as infuriating as it is for me. Exactly. They actually, at the moment, are at top of the table with a game in hand with 49 points, Liverpool second, City third, Arsenal fourth, Tottenham fifth, which I'm sure makes you happy, United sixth, and the relegation battle right now is between Sunderland, Swansea, and Hull City, with Crystal Palace one point above the drop at in 17th place. Um, Hull City, speaking of, of uh, relegation contenders, is going to sack Mike Phelan. Well, they did, actually. This yeah, morning. they did. Um got roughly the same amount of time that Bob Bradley got. 20th, you can't really complain too much, but you know it's frustrating to see managers go without really a chance to affect anything in the window. He was actually hired after the transfer window had taken place. Hull basically didn't bring any players in. Mm-hmm. A champion side playing in the Premier League, it's not going to go well. Nope. The first set of FA Cup matches involving the Premier League teams is this weekend, but we should recognize Storbridge FC, the lowest team in the pyramid, which is still in the FA Cup, who play on the road to Wycombe Wanderers. So go Storbridge if you want your underdog as uh, all Americans do. 
everybody is going to start playing them on Football Manager. Exactly. That's that's what's going to happen. Yep. Hey, you will played Portsmouth <laughs> this past weekend, and this game was incredibly foggy. Like, seriously, go look up the, the video on YouTube. It is appallingly foggy to the point where I don't think people could see from one end of the, the like, no, in one sideline to the other. No, in fact, um, the Portsmouth official Twitter account was basically trying to tweet updates but couldn't actually see through the fog. And yet they <laughs> still were coming out with a better readout of what was going on in the game than the fans that were in the away end. Um, yeah. Some of the pictures out there are, are just ridiculous, especially given the fact that another game was canceled for fog where you could absolutely see both sides mm-hmm. of the pitch. Yeah, this game should have been called up. Hey, an American Stoke City supporter was visiting England for uh, a few matches and he, essentially all his belongings were stolen. The club found out, gave him a stadium tour, let him meet some of the players like Bojan. Super cool of Stoke City. I'm actually really impressed when clubs do stuff like this. So, so big ups to Stoke City. Let's move on to our second to last segment on this episode called They Don't Call It Soccer in brackets. Some do though about Football and soccer news from all over the world. Essentially, just about everyone you should, we might talk about normally is on uh, break, Christmas break at the moment still. But there are some transfer rumors slash news. Yeah, so actual news. Um, Julian Draxler signed officially for PSG. We talked a couple of shows ago about PSG kind of being in the doldrums. Maybe Draxler ends up being their Ibrahimovic. Yeah. Uh, Alex Witzel has transferred to Tianjin. Q more, you know, talk about how talented players shouldn't be going to China, blah, de, blah, de, blah, blah. Uh, Tons of money, though. I think he was given 18 million euros a year compared to an offer they had for five and a half million from uh, Juventus. We were talking about Pep retiring early. Come on, how can you turn this kind of stuff down? Same with, exactly. like, you know, with, with we were talking about how professional goals for players or monetary goals we're not one to judge what their lives should be. Anyway, right. uh, we, we're we running short of time, so essentially about the rumors, all we need to say is that there are rumors of every notable player going to every single big club. So that's that. A study came out, though, this week that said only one-third of the BBC's gossip column rumors from August 2016 came through, which I'm actually surprised it's one-third. Yeah, that that's... I would have guessed like one third of one third. I think we need a study about how many NASL and USL rumors from this offseason uh, came true. <laughs> Zero. That's how many. Cesare <laughs> uh, Prandelli resigns from management at Valencia uh, w- with the club that's just barely out of the relegation zone. Basically, it's on goal differential. So, What happened to Valencia? I, right. I I can't even come up with anything. Like we should this... look this up for the next episode. Yeah, it's just sad. Yeah. Um, the Indian Super League final happened, and it was viewed by 41 million viewers. Now, the the thing to note here is that with a country the size of India, that's not maybe an impressive number given the context. But when you look at the attendance from the Indian Super League this year, there are some really impressive things to be seen. For example, lowest attendance was 6,000, and the highest was 54,913. That's huge. That's ridiculous. And the average is 21. I'm really, I was really impressed. Yeah. And maybe you as listeners need to get a little bit of context of the ISL. So I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It's essentially this uh, hybrid between the MLS format and the Indian Premier League, which is a cricket tournament where they, where they took like your basic stodgy league model and jazzed it up with all sorts of, they added like these TV breaks, cheerleaders, not even kidding. Cocaine uh, and hookers, probably. <laughs> 
they did add like these music breaks basically they try to pump up the audience it's kind of a big it's like taking your student production of a movie and then adding like hollywood money to it and and just jazzing it up a whole lot that's what they did uh, in the ipl so the, so the isl is kind of attempt to do that with soccer in india so there's the i league which runs between january and april which is your traditional indian league they're the ones who have qualifiers for the um Asian uh, Champions League. Exactly. All, all the like major stuff. So so the ISL, the Indian Super League teams don't get into all that. It's just basically these franchises that exist between or they play games between uh, October and December. So essentially they're existent for only for about two months. And then they go away. And it's very much a model like MLS where they have these things called marquee players. These are designated players. They're also required to have at least eight foreign players. And there's a cap of 10 foreign players. You will find a lot of like major has-beens in the ISL's history. This year, though, it seems like most of the marquee players were essentially guys who were in the Premier League in the uh, mid to late 2000s. Yeah, um, like Eider Gidjansson was... One yeah. of the marquee players. I don't know if he finished the league this year, but... Lauren Maluto was the player of the year. Yeah. Helder Pastiga was one of the... He was the marquee player on one of the teams that was in the championship. Um, basically, if you do a Wikipedia deep dive of these, you're in for a treat because you're going to remember some names that you've totally, totally forgot. In the first season of the ISL, or I think it might have been the second, David James came out of retirement... To play for uh, for these teams. I mean, in 2014, Robert Perez came out of retirement and yeah. then played another year after that. Yeah, it's 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 pretty funny uh, to to see some of those things. But they they seem to have improved the quality each year. This year's final was held between a team named Atletico de Kolkata, which yes, they ha- actually have a relationship with Atletico Madrid, and it's stronger than Real Salt Lake and Real Madrid. <laughs> so there is a reason to call it Atletico de Kolkata. Uh, and, and they defeated Kerala Blasters four three in a penalty shootout. We watched the highlights of this. The quality seems to be kind of maybe a little bit below NASL slash USL. Oh yeah. A little bit. I mean, not as technical, I would say, yeah. as as you would want a top league in a country to be. Yeah, it's it's a lot of back and forth. You know, just kind of hoofing it down the field. Very little technical skill, but you know, it it seemed to be a pretty fun match to watch. But when the video came up and we saw the stadium full of people wearing yellow, uh, which is the color of the Kerala Blasters, who's who for whom it was a home game, that made me jealous. That's the kind of thing that yeah, I don't totally. think you even see as much over here as you would want to. Absolutely. That was super impressive. So, a really cool little league that I thought you guys should know a little bit about, the Indian Super League. Also, read up about the I-League as well. India's trying to do some pretty cool things with their um, soccer apparatus, but they don't, haven't pumped money into it like China has, at least yet. Hey, with that, we should move on to our final segment, which is when we put on our tinfoil hats and take on a conspiracy theory in the world of soccer and and flesh it out. So this is the Reynolds wrap-up. Go ahead, Colin. What do we got this week? So, as we mentioned, it was a very busy, festive period. And in fact, since we recorded on Thursday night, 19 games were played in the Premier League. That's five days, 19 games. Mm-hmm. 12 of the teams out of 20 played at least one match in that period on 48 hours rest. So Arsene Wenger, Jose Mourinho, and Sam Allardyce all complained their press conferences in the last couple of days about how badly scheduled this was. You know the one guy who wasn't complaining? 
Chelsea mm-hmm. manager Antonio Conte, who said that managers are just jealous of Chelsea's league position rather than the <laughs> fact that during this period, they have had four day breaks between all of their matches. That's that's just ridiculous, right? Uh-huh. Well, consider this. You know who owns Chelsea? Roman Abramovich. Mm-hmm. You know who's close to Roman Abramovich? Mm-hmm. Vladimir Putin. <laughs> you know the only way that you could come up with a schedule so horrendously imbalanced? Russian hacking. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is literally the only excuse that you have for how crazy Chelsea's schedule is during this time period. Sergey, yes, Mr. President? I have assignment for you to hack. Number one, I would like you to hack United States election for the most important leader of world in this country. All right. Next, I want you to hack English Premier League. Number three, bring me best chocolate in country. Thank you, Sergey. That's essentially how it went. I I mean, I would assume that he would go for caviar, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good conspiracy theory. I do like it. I really do. Well, with that, we should we should call a close to this week's episode of We Call It Soccer. Colin, where can they find you on Twitter? Um, you can find me at the attachment. I am at TWO United Fans. Hopefully next week Caleb will be feeling better and back with us. He writes a fifty-five dot one, which is also where this podcast is published each week. You'll also find great Minnesota news, soccer news on that site. Also, you can find this podcast on iTunes, where we request that you submit ratings and reviews. Please uh, do. They make me happy. Yep. Google Play Podcasts also lists us, so do, do submit uh, some ratings there as well if they if they do allow you to do that. I don't think they do, honestly. Like, well, I, use, I use Google Play. I, I don't know if there's a... Write postcards to Google uh, with, with what you would rate us uh, as on that service. Also, we're listed on Stitcher. We're listed on SoundCloud. Uh, you can you can get your episodes in any format that you appreciate. Do tell your friends about this podcast. We do like having new listeners. Welcome to 2017, everybody. Happy New Year. We will catch you next week with another episode of We Call It Soccer. Get well soon, Caleb. Caleb.